This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to another edition of After the Snap. I'm your host, long snapper for the Buffalo Bills, Reed Ferguson, and I'm doing this week's episode solo dolo of Blake and Joyce's bi-week excursions. I'll be talking a little NFL Week 11, some Week 10 recap, also some World Cup picks, and as well as a great outlook for LSU football in the coming weeks. Get ready for After the Snap. Let's go. Every snap is an interview. After the Snap. What a snap. And keep the mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real south on a but you can't take the real south out of my voice. And now here we go again, twist a little bit deeper because you got thick skin. Welcome back to another episode of After the Snap. I'm your host, Reed Ferguson of the Buffalo Bills, and this week I am not joined by my brother and co-host Blake Ferguson of the Miami Dolphins uh, because he is on bye this week. He is enjoying uh, some time off after they beat the Cleveland Browns in Miami last week. We'll get into that in a short minute. But Blake will actually be enjoying the LSU Football Tigers this week when they play at home and host the UAB Blazers. Uh, I believe Blake was... uh, Set up as a guest captain for that game with a few of our teammates uh, that crossed over when we both attended LSU, Duke Riley and Kendall Beckwith. Um, Duke, I believe, is still with the Miami Dolphins after bouncing around. I think he went, he was in Philly for a little bit. And then Kendall Beckwith, I'm not sure if he is still playing. I know he was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a uh, short time after he was, uh, after he graduated from LSU. I know Blake and I usually start out, uh, each episode with an unscripted question, usually regarding something funny that happened during our day, um, something that happened during the week or a discussion that we think might bring some differing opinions. And this week, he posted on Twitter about he was taking a flight, I'm assuming uh, leaving from Miami, going to wherever he was going this week. He posted about, I guess he was sitting in a middle seat and was asking what, uh, he was asking me what the protocol is for middle seats and armrests. And this is something that I've been vocal about on Twitter a few times prior, not in a long time, but it is something that I've brought up uh, because I was in a middle seat a while back, maybe a year or so ago on a commercial flight. And I tried to, I I was uh, the second to sit down. I believe the uh, window sat down first. I sat down and then the aisle guy sat down. It caught me off guard because the person sitting by the window was taking up the armrest, their left armrest, uh, next, you know, connected to the middle seat. And, um, it, it was a short flight, so it didn't really, really bother me, but I just thought, you know, Hey, let's figure out what, let's figure out what's going on here. Let's, um, 
you've got something to lean on. The aisle guy has space to stretch his knees out into the aisle, given that the cart lady doesn't uh, run into them with the, with the drink cart. But I'm giving up, you know, middle seat. I'm giving up middle space. I feel like the middle, the middle seat should get both armrests. So I brought it up on Twitter. A lot of people agreed with me. A few people disagreed and said uh, the window also doesn't have space to stretch their knees out towards the window side, uh, but they also get a window. So I'm not really sure, but they are basically arguing that the window has the same amount of knee space as the middle. Anyway, I'm getting a little long-winded. Would love to hear y'all's feedback. There was a few people on each side uh, responding to Blake's tweet. But I want to get into uh, a little bit of the Week 10. Not going to hit a ton on it because uh, this episode is coming out on Friday. Uh, and It has been a few days since the last weekend's games. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, I'll just hit this, hit these games real quickly. The Miami Dolphins beat the Cleveland Browns 39-17. That game was in Miami. I heard from Blake after the game. He was very excited uh, about the result, obviously. And uh, that was, I believe, I, I, I'm not sure um, if 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 it had ever happened for Blake, uh, but they, uh, the Miami Dolphins, uh, did not punt that game on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. So um, the only note I have on here is uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Uh, continue their uh, great ascent up the NFL receiving charts. They're up there with the likes of uh, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, uh, Cooper Cup, who is unfortunately hurt right now. Tyreek Hill and Waddle continue to lead the way in the top five NFL receiving yards. Miami is on, like I said, they're on by this week. They are uh, looking forward to their next game home at home against the Houston Texans. Um, and we will cover a little bit about that game next week when Blake is back on the podcast. Uh, hopping up to Buffalo, we unfortunately did not come out with the win on Sunday playing the Minnesota Vikings. That was the first time I believe I had played the Vikings in the regular season um, since we went there in 2018, and that was the infamous uh, Josh hurdling uh one of their linebackers can't recall who it was but the great thing that i remember about that game uh and and it was it was i don't know if it was season defining because we didn't make the playoffs that year but it was uh it was just a very cool moment because it was early in the season nobody was expecting a lot out of us we were 18 point underdogs i believe going into that game and uh, and and we I, th- I believe we beat them by a couple scores. So pretty cool moment uh, there from 2018. But um, unfortunately, uh, took a tough loss at home on Sunday. Moving on pretty quickly, we are looking to bounce back strong this Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. Now, actually, a few hours ago, just shortly before when I was kind of finalizing my notes for the podcast tonight. Uh, the game was obviously moved to Detroit because of the snowstorm that is actually ongoing as I am recording. I'm uh, watching out my window the uh, buckets and buckets and sheets of snow coming down in uh, all, all re- really all over the Buffalo area. Normally it's south of the city, uh, but really sheets of snow supposed to get a couple feet. Uh, three to three to four feet, uh, is, is probably the good, the closest estimate you're going to see 
Uh, I know a lot of the clickbait headlines have said six feet. There's like a 1% chance of six feet. So three to four feet um, is kind of the accurate representation of what we're going to get Thursday night through probably through the weekend. Uh, and I know a lot of people um, are talking about the game on Sunday. Obviously, Sunday is actually supposed to be, you know, the, the calmest in terms of snow, you know, kind of through the weekend. A lot of the snow is, is coming tonight, Thursday night and uh, Friday and I think maybe into Saturday as well. A lot of people are understandably upset about the game being moved. I think from what I understand, it it has to do with a lot of the essential personnel that is needed to run an efficient game day uh, here in Orchard Park. So from what I've read and, and heard, which is not a lot, uh, that is my understanding. So we are playing uh, the Cleveland Browns this week in Detroit on Sunday at 1 o'clock, same time frame. Hopefully some Bills fans will be able to make it out there. I'm not sure how many people will be able to obviously leave Buffalo given the uh, weather that is coming through, but pretty cool opportunity, I guess, for, for some out-of-state Bills fans uh, that are close to Detroit that may be able to make the game that maybe couldn't. Uh, have made the game in Buffalo this year. I'm going to take a sip of my, uh, my pumpkin, uh, for people that know up here, Southern Tier makes a pumpkin beer every year and it is, uh, highly sought after. Uh, I know this is a bit of an anecdote, but, um, pumpkin beer could, it's, it's, it's one of my favorites. I be, I, I try to grab it, uh, as soon as it comes into the stores, um, every year. So cheers. Fantastic. Uh, the second thing I had on uh, our game this weekend uh, was actually that we are playing two games in Detroit in the span of five days, uh, given the game being moved this Sunday. So pretty interesting. We we are coming back to Buffalo. I have had a few few of my friends ask me if we're just going to stay there, um, but since it is such a short flight. Uh, we will definitely be coming back to Buffalo and uh, spending a few days back in our home facility before going to back to Detroit to play them next Thursday on Thanksgiving. So pretty cool um, opportunity next Thursday. Now, obviously not looking ahead past uh, Sunday, but um, next Thursday uh, we are getting I'm, I'm getting the chance to say that I have played on all three uh, Thanksgiving time slots uh, which I think is pretty cool trying to knock knock off every stadium on my list play every team and uh being able to say you've played in every Thanksgiving slot I think is a pretty cool tick on the chest that's kind of all I got there a few thoughts on uh, that I, that I think some people would be interested in so that's kind of all I got about week 10, looking back at week 10 a little bit and then looking ahead to week 11. Uh, now a few things interesting to, uh, listeners on the pod that we have heard back from. Uh, a lot of people are excited about the World Cup. A lot of people are excited about LSU football. So I'm going to cover those two things. First up, we got LSU, uh, football coming off a huge win. Uh, I know it was not a, a very high scoring game at Arkansas. Uh, but historically speaking, uh, and I'm speaking from experience, but also watching over the last, uh, decade pretty much. Historically speaking, Arkansas playing at Arkansas late in the year is a very difficult place for LSU to play. 
like I said, especially late in the season because, you know, there's, there's not playing in the SEC. There's not a ton of places that get really cold, uh, late in the year or at all. Uh, and then even, and even if you do play those teams, a lot of those, t- a lot of people, a lot of teams play those opponents earlier in the fall. So it, it, you know, LSU, Brian Kelly came out and said after the game, or, or it may have been last week, uh, in preparation for the game and for some of the weather, cause I know it snowed the night before the game there in Arkansas. Brian Kelly made sure, made, made it a point to say, you know, we, we were outside practicing in February. We were outside working out when it was cold in Baton Rouge. Uh, and I'm saying quote, you know, air quotes cold because, you know, anybody that's been down there or lived down there knows it doesn't get super cold very often. That was, that was very impressive of coach Kelly to kind of get the guys mentally check that mental box, if you will. And you're not just checking a box because it's, it's real. You know, you understand when you're working out outside that, you know, early mornings or whatever it is, uh, in February that, uh, it, it you know, Nine months down the road, you're going to be half, you're going to be called on to be making some big plays. And, uh, that's exactly what Harold Perkins did, uh, on Saturday. Two forced fumbles, um, a couple sacks. He was all over the field and, uh, Coach Brian Kelly hit a absolute home run, uh, with Harold Perkins. So he is going to be, um, you know, uh, very fun to watch on that LSU defense. Uh, with him being just a freshman this season. So he'll be around for a few more years for Tiger fans to enjoy. Next thing, LSU, obviously after the win on Saturday, the CFP rankings came out on Sunday. LSU climbed up to number six, uh, which is uh, a, a tad notable uh, considering uh, they have two games left. They are eight and two, two games left. They play home against UAB uh, this weekend. And then they go to Texas A&M next Saturday. For those who would, who, who predict and whatnot college football in the preseason, you'd probably have these two teams close to flipped in terms of LSU and Texas A&M. And I'm skipping UAB. I'm expecting LSU to dominate that game to win and take care of business. Uh, but when you when you're when you're talking about LSU and Texas A&M. Texas A&M was, was a top 10 team ranked, uh, you know, ranked top 10 coming into the uh, season. I believe they were number six in the preseason rankings, which I know in the end don't mean a ton, but, uh, that means a lot for the reputation of teams going into the season. And that's, uh, that's always been something that I don't think is talked about enough is the, you know, when, when those preseason rankings come, rankings come out, the expectations that that puts on certain teams you know, affects them in different ways. And you clearly see that with Texas A&M. They had the number one recruiting class, their only number one recruiting class uh, that they've ever had. And a lot of people are tying that, including us here at After the Snap. Blake and I have talked ad nauseum uh, about the NIL stuff going on in college football and tying that to Texas A&M having the number one recruiting class and kind of parlaying that into their high uh, preseason ranking. Uh, everybody was expecting them to be a great team this year and uh, certainly in playoff contention, and that is not the case. They are uh, currently 3-7, and seven, and uh, I, I believe they are they're, the best they can finish is 5-7 and seven now. They are out of a bowl game even, so uh, definitely a disappointing season for the Aggies, uh, which I certainly, uh, sorry to any Texas A&M fans that are listening to this. 
I do not feel bad for you at all. Um, so I, I, I do not apologize, but apologize in advance for hopefully what LSU is going to do to a Texas A&M in a few weeks. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about the playoff situation with uh, LSU, you know, concerning LSU. Um, they are, like I said, they're eight and two right now coming up on uh, home UAB and at Texas A&M. Assuming they win those two games, finish the season 10 and two, they have already won the West. They beat Alabama. They beat Ole Miss. Alabama beat Ole Miss to give uh, Ole Miss two losses, two SEC losses. And Alabama, uh, of course, losing to Tennessee and losing to LSU has two, uh, two SEC losses. So LSU only has one SEC loss and that is to Tennessee earlier in the season a few months ago, making them the SEC West champion with two games to go in the season, one SEC game to go in the season. So extremely proud of what uh, Brian Kelly has done down there and the way they have handled their business. I think uh, before the season, you probably would have picked LSU to be middle of the pack. But um, assuming LSU wins those final two games this season and and is 10-2 and two going into the SEC championship game against Georgia, who has also already locked up their uh, the East division, LSU versus Georgia SEC, SEC championship, if LSU uh, wins against Georgia and Atlanta in a few weeks, it's definitely a discussion that has to be made because UGA is going to be number one. Ohio State and or Michigan is going to be two, probably. Where does LSU fit in? You know, if they beat number one UGA in the SEC championship, it's going to, it's, it's hard for me to make the case for LSU to be out of the national championship or the college football playoff, excuse me. I know Tennessee is in the mix and I hope big Kev is listening to this podcast. 11. If, if Tennessee wins out, they will be 11 and one, uh, obviously will not go to the sec championship because they lost to Georgia. It certainly makes it a interesting conversation. Now I don't think that Georgia LSU and Tennessee could make the playoff. I don't think there's a world where that happens. Okay, so TCU, that's who I thought it was. I thought they were uh I thought they were third. Michigan is third. So after Ohio State Michigan play, uh it'll be Georgia, Ohio State or Michigan and TCU will be third uh, assuming they win their last two games and then it'll be uh Tennessee and LSU probably f- 4 and 5. That's where it makes me think because if you have an LSU team at number five behind Tennessee, who's four, and LSU goes into Atlanta, basically a Georgia home game for all intents and purposes. I know LSU is going to travel well, but that is in Georgia's backyard. It's hard for me to believe that you don't, that LSU doesn't jump Tennessee into the top four after that game if they beat Georgia. Now, if they don't beat Georgia, easy. I think Tennessee gets in. Uh, depending on what USC does the last couple of games of the season, I know they have UCLA this week, who is 16th. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But main thing is 10 and 2 LSU beating Georgia in the national championship, 11 and 2 LSU after the SEC championship. I think you have to put them in to the college football playoff and, and, 
Ohio State then probably jumps up to number one, and LSU will probably get them in the first game. But that's okay. That you know, all all, all you need is a chance. So that is certainly what I'm hoping for the Tigers. Now, moving on, last topic here. I want to get into a little bit of the World Cup stuff. I'm not going to get too into the weeds because I don't want to do a full-on preview. I have, I do not have the time, nor have I done that extensive of research to do a full World Cup preview as much as I would love to because I love the game. I'm not going to do that right now. So I am going to give you a couple of the favorites uh, to win the tournament. Um, I'm going to talk to you about the USA men's national team and their group, their group stage matches, who they're playing and when they're playing, and then talk about one funny thing uh, that is going on that uh, I don't think is getting talked about enough. So to start off, you the favorites to win the tournament are Brazil, Argentina, France, and Spain. I'm looking at Vegas odds. England is also up there in the top five. Germany and Netherlands and Portugal just outside at 6th, 7th, and 8th. And then it drops down to Belgium, Denmark, uh, Uruguay, and Croatia a little further down. So, I mean, when you're talking about the World Cup, there's so much history there. There's Some of these teams have such a deep rooted history in this game of soccer they have so many great players in their starting 11 and they have so many great players when you're talking about playing at the world cup they have so many great players even sitting on the bench realistically when you're looking at it in my opinion there's only four five maybe six teams that can win it in any given world cup year i think uh when you're looking at the Vegas odds, Brazil, Argentina, France, those are kind of your top three. Spain is a shortly behind equal with England. And then Germany is uh, a little bit behind uh, Spain and England at uh, number six. So uh, Brazil, heavy favorite. They're in a pretty difficult group. They have Cameroon, Serbia, and Switzerland all historically hard teams to beat. Switzerland uh, had a good showing last World Cup four years ago. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see Brazil, even in their group stages, not even just in the knockout stages and uh, you know potentially in the quarter semis or the finals, but really a team to keep your eye on in the group stages. The other team I wanted to hit on being a top favorite is Argentina. In Group C, they have Mexico, Poland, and Saudi Arabia in their group. Now, I don't think Saudi Arabia is going to make much noise, but Mexico and Poland historically are also teams that have some oomph about them, and they're very hard to they're they're very difficult to break down. Poland's got Robert Lewandowski uh, leading the line. Also, has played a long time for Bayern Munich, and now at Barcelona, scoring boatloads of goals all the time. So. Poland is is certainly no slouch. They are actually, you know, not too far down on the overall uh, Vegas odds for the tournament, but they are definitely a contender to uh, win uh, Group C. So Argentina, uh, when you're you know when you're looking at favorites for the tournament, interesting to see them so high on uh, so at second the second favorite uh, when they have some pretty difficult team group stage matches with Mexico and Poland. Moving on a little bit, I want to get into the USA stuff. 
just because that's, uh, I feel like that is what is most important for the listeners here. Uh, three group matches, uh, they play, uh, Wales on November 21st, which is next, uh, Monday. That game will be at, uh, two o'clock, I believe. All three of their games are actually two o'clock Eastern. Their second game versus England is on, uh, November 25th. That is Black Friday. I will be considering that is the day after our Thanksgiving game. I will be all in, uh, watching that game for sure. And then, uh, you know, hopefully I'm watching all three of these, but they play in, in their third and final game is versus Iran on November 29th. That is a Tuesday also at two o'clock Eastern. So I am hoping for at minimum that we beat Iran and beat Wales. I think that 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 would for sure lock us up to get into the knockout rounds. I think when you're looking at Wales, they have they have a pretty strong squad. I know they're 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 getting a little overlooked in terms of the odds. They're they're actually equal uh, with the USA in terms of the overall tournament to win the tournament. Uh, but I think, I think, I think Wales, Wales is a strong team. Obviously, England is the fifth, um, fifth highest favorite to win the tournament. So they will obviously be bringing, uh, everything they have. And then Iran is way down at the bottom. They are actually the fourth least likely team to win the tournament, uh, when you're looking at the Vegas odds. So if I was picking a winner for the tournament, it'd be hard for me not to pick France. You know, they're the third favorite right now in Vegas. They won four years ago. They're returning a lot of the same players. They are adding a few great players. Kareem Benzema uh, played for them, obviously, four years ago, but he just won the Ballon d'Or last year, which for those who don't know, it's the best player in Europe. So it's going to be hard for me to look past France in terms of overall tournament success. The last thing I wanted to hit on is these fake fan parades that are happening. It's uh, quite interesting to me that given all of the nonsense that has happened in Qatar over the past, gosh, I don't even know, years since it has been six years, maybe five or six years since it's been announced that Qatar would have the 2022 World Cup. Basically, what is happening is there are these large groups of people, of fake fans are being paid to come out and march with different countries, uh, jerseys on, kits on, uh, hats, scarves, kind of the whole nine yards. It's, it's, it's very, uh, bizarre. They're clearly doing it to paint the country in a good light politically. In sports, kind of the whole nine yards. It's, it's, it's just very weird. I don't, I don't believe that it's getting enough traction in sports media, even, which is quite odd considering the World Cup starts just here in a few days. It's just another notch in the hat on Qatar and what they're trying to do to kind of hide the fact that a lot of the human rights issues that they've had leading up to this tournament. So, I don't want to get too deep in the water because I want to get excited about this World Cup. I want to be happy about it because it is one of my favorite events that, you know, comes around so very rarely. I'm going to try my best to not think about the bad side of what is happening in that country and try to uh, 
try to cheer on the U.S. and uh, enjoy the games that I do get to watch on television uh, because I believe that is what is most important is enjoying the sport as well as cheering on your home team. So that is all I have for this episode. Thank you to all of you who uh, hung around and listened this week. Hopefully I lived up to uh, your standards for uh, hosting a podcast by myself. I will be uh, excited to have Blake back next week and hear about his bi-week shenanigans that went on. Uh, If you have been following him on uh, social media, he looks like uh, he's been uh, trying a a few uh, new whiskeys and uh, looks like he's getting a new dog. So uh, if you're interested in Blake's uh, bi-week travels, you may want to head over and uh, check him out on Instagram and Twitter at Blake Ferguson 44, I believe on, uh, on, on Twitter. You can, you could probably just search his name, uh, at Blake Ferguson on Twitter and Instagram. If you are not following the podcast, uh, I'd like to invite you to follow us, uh, after the snap pod, Twitter, Instagram. I believe Blake is still up and running the TikTok that is still going on. We would love to hear your feedback. I would love to hear your feedback. Greatly appreciate it. Also, uh, when you are on Apple or Spotify, please uh, subscribe, give us a like, give us a review. We love reading them. Uh, we love hearing from you guys that listen to us on a weekly basis. So thank you again. Uh, this has been After the Snap, Tales from Two Brothers Who Live Life, Upside Down.